This is uh, Shane Jensen, professor of uh, statistics and data science at the Wharton School. And this week on Wharton Moneyball Highlights, we toss around a bunch of uh, reactions and, and, and sort of thoughts following Super Bowl 58, Kansas City beating uh, San Francisco. And, you know, we, we talk about uh, Kansas City in some historical context and some uh, allude to some of the micro decisions that uh, the game uh, happened in the game. Uh, and all together, I think it's a pretty compelling lesson. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball here on SiriusXM. This is Cade Massey with all of my regular guests, my regular co-hosts, not my guests, my colleagues, my co-hosts, co-founders of this show, Audie Weiner, who is making his way across town by foot right now, but is going to be in here. Shane Jensen, Eric Bradlow, the usual crew. This is Monday afternoon. We're recording Monday afternoon instead of Tuesday. Schedules conspired against a Tuesday, but it's kind of fun because this is the day after the Super Bowl. As our esteemed boss, Matty Datsman, says, last time to talk football, guys, at least real football. I'm interested, fellas, in what y'all think were the most important factors in the game, what most stood out to you. And I really mean, you know, kind of from an effect size perspective. If you were going to start at the top of the list as a football analyst, football observer, supposed football expert, top of the list, most important factors in driving that game last night, what do you think it is? What's on your list? Let's do a little bit of a round robin, find out what you think the most important factors were. Audie wants to go first. Audie. I do. It's a bit of a lame answer, but I think it has to do with randomness. <laughs> so there are lots of, lots of things that are just not predictable, like that crazy punt return. Um, and the extra point, I mean, these are really rare events, really rare. I mean, the missing extra point was like one in like one, two or two and a hundred. I was 68 for 68 on the season, Adi, before that extra point. Okay. But still, you know, we'll shrink a little bit towards, towards, uh, towards zero from away from zero and that punt and that, you know, and those things are, they're different in the game right now. And so I hate to say it. That's what I'm throwing it at. I mean, these teams Reasonable. are very evenly matched. When, 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 when this is this is the very definition. This is Michael Mobison's observation: the paradox of skill. When when people are trying to beat the market are equally skilled. They're good, but there's they're just equally good at beating the market. What what differentiates those who succeed and those who fail is chance. What's left is chance. Same thing happens in games of skill. As long as there's a random component, certainly we saw some big elements of that last night. Eric, yeah, I want to agree with Adi and build on this. So. Um, I always, I think we talked about this last week. If I had to tell you only one stat from the game, okay, what might help predict who wins? Well, here's the stat. One of the teams last night fumbled the ball five times. The other team fumbled it two times. Well, Kansas City fumbled it five times. San Francisco fumbled it two times. Kansas City fumbled it five times, lost one fumble. San Francisco fumbled it two times, lost both times. So all I'm commenting on is, to win a game against a top opponent and have three additional fumbles, not turnovers, but fumbles, is absolutely remarkable. And in San Francisco's case, you know, the ball hitting, you know, people were criticizing the punt returner. Well, the punt returner actually did the right thing because it already hit off the back of the leg of the other 49er guy. He had to go for the ball at that point. But that led directly to seven points. And then, as Adi said, the missed extra point, there's another point. And actually, this game broke my theorem. I'm now never going to say what I'm about to say again. I decided, remember my theory, 
after I watched the first drive of each team, my offensive line against your defensive line and my, your offensive line against mine, I said I could predict who won the game. Well, I watched the first two series, and I'm like, man, oh, man, San Francisco is muscling Kansas City. They're just, you know, moving it right down their throat, getting 8 to 10 yards a run. They're passing easy. If McCaffrey hadn't fumbled the ball, they would have scored there. But you know what? They can just do it all game long. And you know what? Andy Reid, and I saw it in last year's Super Bowl, too. This guy, whoever it's, it's, it's Andy, there are the masters of making adjustments at halftime because that's what happened in the second half of that game looked nothing like the first half of the game. And the same thing was true in last year's Super Bowl where Kansas City did not punt once in the second half. The Eagles held them, to, I forget if it was seven or 10 points in the first half last year. And in the second half, Kansas City scored on every drive. Okay, so to re- to recap, you doubled down on Adi's chance, but then you threw in this other wrinkle at the end, which was Kansas City adjustments. Making adjustments wanna, on the defensive side. I want to write into the record, read into the record, and underscore something Eric said in there, which was he's never going to claim again that he can tell from watching the first two series who's going to win a football game. Just note that he offered that unsolicited, yep. and so we'll, we might come back to that one over the years. Uh, Shane, number three. Yeah, I, I mean – you know, this is maybe this is kind of folded in with the luck theme as well. Uh, but I think it is a big effect size that went against San Francisco's injuries. I think, you know, losing Greenlaw right before, like, you know, they had lost Greenlaw in the first half to a non contact injury. Debo Samuel was like, you know, affected by the end of the game. And they lost, I think, the right guard, something like that. And you know, that, Kittle, I, was, Kittle was out for a ways in the game, too. Yep. yep. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of their big kind of playmakers, I mean, I think San Francisco, I've sort of seen over the last few years, whenever they're hot, I mean, when all their big playmakers are there and they, they hum, but, you know, part, I, I mean, I will say, you know, part of that kind of, I don't want to over attribute that Kansas City, I mean, I do think, I, I don't want to take anything away from Reed and their ability to adjust, obviously, they, their dynasty, they do that type of thing, but, um, you know, it's, Part of, uh, you know, th- th- some of the adjustment was for them as as as, as San Francisco just started losing playmakers to injury left and right. And I will say also that in overtime, San Francisco actually was having kind of their Christian McCaffrey canonical drive from the first half. It just got stalled out like on one sort of like, you know, it, you know, it, 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 it honestly, what did they get down to something like, you know, the, the, the 10 or something like that before kicking that field goal. So, I mean, you, you know, one random chance of a play there and they score a touchdown and we're the narrative completely changes. Well, one could, I think I, I, I wondered whether anybody would say chance and everybody says chance here, um, which is, I think, a good reminder for 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 all of us. Um, I mean, when a game comes leave. down to overtime, it's got to dominate, right? Like, just, you know, overall, like, it's good chance. Shane, that's a be. good point. Whenever it is that close, I mean, objectively that close, it has to be that chance events really push things around. Um, okay, stepping into the non-chance world, obviously Mahomes is, I mean, we could talk about Mahomes for the next two hours. To what extent is he, you know, what makes him so special? How special is he? Shane, I know, is... The is Mahomes and Kelsey triad you speak of, Yes. Well, and Reed as well. And I mean, it's. Yeah, no, yeah. Good. Well, Holmes Kelsey Reed triad. I even use triad. I have, yeah, it's that triplet. I'm so curious to see the components of that without each other. Just well, sort of, you, know, you know, that's well, Romo was calling out Reed's play calling late in the game. Mm-hmm. And then Mahomes, as soon as he got to a microphone, was giving credit to Reed for yep. those, those, you know, red zone calls in the, on the last drive. So clearly it's a big part of it. 
But Mahomes, I mean, we we talk when we get Walder on here in the second half of the show, we have a brief conversation about whether Mahomes is a witch or not. So that that tells you all you need to know about how impressed we are. But I want to give you one other observation. This comes from Ian Boyd primarily. Ian is a commenter um, in the football space and a, and a real expert. Um, you know how well the the defensive line main, came, contained Mahomes in the first half. How, and again, they, they did a nice job in the commentary calling that lane integrity, not letting him get outside. He was harassed in a way that the Bills and the Ravens and the, never mind the Dolphins weren't even able to harass him in the playoffs. And it threw him off his game. This was kind of the story of the first half. This is what Eric was talking about when he talks about see both sides of the ball and see the lines, the, the, the Niner lines were dominating. And then that faded. And maybe that's adjustments. Of course, partly it is adjustments, but also it is something that happens with defensive lines in fourth quarters, never mind overtime. You just can't expect to maintain that kind of intensity and pressure with a defensive line. No, and, and, and I don't, again, want to take away anything from Mahomes' eliteness. I just, for a historical kind of context, it's like part of the, you know, it's it's such an elite combination right now because, you know, he's one of the few guys that kind of predictably kind of come through in those moments. And I think we, although we are in an era of a lot of young, exciting quarterbacks, we don't have what where's the kind of comp where's the where's the quarterback on like what's the quarterback that other than Brady that's had the best game against Mahomes in the playoffs? It's like you know Mahomes is gonna be there. Kind of doing his Bur- thing. Burrow. Burrow had Burrow, a- I guess, right? But I mean, you know, I, I mean I just sort of I again I think back historically to like, you know, like the Aikman Kelly or, you know, like the Montana Marino or Brady Manning. Like, you know, I think we're still we're still waiting for that. Mahomes. Well, the nice other than, thing, other than the but, tail end of Brady, we're still waiting for that kind of Mahomes sort of like you know well, competition. Quick, quick note. Quick note. This is what felt unfair about last night, and this is why I felt like it was it was a little unfair to expect that much out of Purdy. I mean, Purdy might grow into a great quarterback. He's still a he's still a, not yeah. a rookie, but he's practically a rookie. And there's just no way. I mean, even Mahomes grew as a quarterback over time. He didn't have to do anything his his rookie year. So, I mean, Shane. He, it was like it was unfair. You're asking for this battle of Titans, and that just wasn't going to happen. Burrow is, you know, Josh Allen, you got it in Buffalo in the divisional round. You got that what you asked for in Buffalo. You did not get it in Baltimore in the finals, in the conference. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I think also we're going to get what Shane, we're going to get the test of the triumvirate because, look, Brady, the thing that was remarkable about Brady, besides winning seven Super Bowls, that's amazing. Doing it with two different teams is amazing. Let's remember, he won it in two different eras, really. And so we're going to find out because Kelsey's not going to be around forever. Kelsey's 34. And that during the season next year, he's going to turn 35. He doesn't have eight to 10 more years to play, which Mahomes easily has eight to 10 more years yeah. to play. So for Mahomes to get to where Brady is in terms of accomplishments, he's going to have to win it with another set of players and potentially even another coach. And so we'll get, we'll find out. I mean, if he can put another three Super Bowls together, let's remember, by the way, I know you know this, Shane. Brady went 10 years without winning a Super Bowl. 10. That's remarkable. His, I thought he was stuck at three. And actually, if you would ask me at age 35, he had three Super Bowl wins. He just won four of them in the last eight years. So that may be what happens to Mahomes. It Mahomes. may be, but I, I, I just that—that's kind of where I was sort of going with this sort of like you know competition thing. Somebody talked me out of him just piling up like the next three. Like who is going to challenge 
I, or is it, I'm just getting that in no, inevitability yeah. bias all over again. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're extrapolating too readily. And so I granted, granted they should be the favorites, but you don't want to say there's nobody can take them down. I mean, they, they have to, chance can break against them at some point. Although what, what Shane is pointing out is during the Brady era, there are, I think I've got the right number. It's four. There are four other quarterbacks that won multiple Super Bowls, right? So there's obviously both Mannings, Roethlisberger, and um, I mean Rogers was there, only won one too. But no, 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 no. But there's around. there's a four, there's a fourth quarterback. I forget who it is. One there's there's four guys. I think that each won two Super Bowls in that era. So my only comment is is that. Brady went up and Breeze was in that era, Rodgers in that era. So you could argue he's going up against all-time greats. I don't believe there's anybody right now, this to Shane's point, like who in the next five years is likely to be an all-time great? I don't I, think so. I, I, I don't think that's fair to Josh Allen, who most people think is an amazing quarterback. Walder's going to come in next half and say he's his clear number two. It's Remember that there's this thing – how do you feel? This is a conversation today in some corners. How do you feel about the best NBA players in the era of Michael Jordan? And isn't it the case? Jordan didn't win for his first seven years. Eric, but then he started winning and everybody else gets denigrated as yeah. a result. Mentally, psychologically, basically denigrated just because he's they're overshadowed. Like, I don't think it's fair to Josh Allen to say, ah, who's he beating? He's not beating anybody. It's like, Josh Allen would have won against many, many, many quarterbacks on multiple occasions now. Oh, yeah. Pick a right, the right day. Josh Allen is truly elite. Pick the wrong day. It just, I, the inconsistency. That's what right? I mean. Eli there's nobody who's been Mahomes is the only consistently elite quarterback right now. Okay, and I mean, don't Big Ben won like his first like sixteen games or something ridiculous. Don't tell me that Brady only played against elite, consistent quarterbacks. That's that's Mm -mm -mm -mm. not that's not a fair. No, I I I, no I I, I'm not. I again I I'll 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 save my Brady promotion for another day. I let's just focus on Mahomes. Like it's like, but I love like what is he? You know, I guess he. I'm I'm eager for the what kind of consistently kind of like somebody else who's always there in the playoffs. Go, you know, like challenging him. Well, the, I think the the piece that you guys are talking about the 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 longevity of Brady and the and the and the two hump you know era mm-hmm. that he had, and I think that one of the keys to that was something that we tend to discount, which is the personnel side of organizations. So Mahomes is not just Mahomes and 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 Reed. Of course, it's all the players, but the big elements, the 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 poles of the organization are quarterback, coach, and personnel. Whoever's running personnel, and the Chiefs have made some really gutsy, ultimately wise, it seems, decisions about personnel over the years. Belichick was doing some interesting things back in the day, and he knew how to pick the right guys to play his system with Brady. And they they the person the the what they put around him was an important part of the story. And it's a huge part of the longevity story. And so the, the, a, an organization that's going to compete with Reed, Mahomes, and the personnel folks there are going to have to have essentially at least two of those and probably all three poles to really get in there. A dynasty requires really those three would be the claim. Yeah, and I mean, again, they can lose to a lot. You know, it's not like, and I'm not saying like, you know, like that that, you know, Mahomes is uh, this kind of triad is somehow facing kind of overall weak competition. I just do think because it's such a strong sort of te- well-built team that it 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 
it's hard for those sort of next level well, things. To let, me get also to level. Say, let me also say, by the way, at the end of the game regulation, I'm like, oh, my God, Andy Reid has blown it again. He's not <laughs> left enough time on the clock so that Patrick Mahomes doesn't get more than one shot at the end zone. So I'm thinking to myself, he may have actually lost on the Super Bowl here because, you know, again, he I think he let 25 seconds run off the clock before actually he still had a timeout. And I'm like, they're not going to have enough plays. I mean, maybe they'll win the game, but maybe they won't. I'm thinking Andy Reid's done it again. Yeah, that's very fair. Very fair. And it's not these are out of sample predictions at this point. This is not even uh, hindsight bias. Adi. I, I, one of the comments from Eric Eager that I saw, our buddy Eric, was that uh, this is supposed to be rebuilding these last couple of years for KC. How does that figure into your dynasty calculations? Well, the, I, I think they made some decisions to let some players go. They, they knew they had to make adjustments when Mahomes went from rookie contract to full free agent contract. And then the questions, where do you let go of talent and where do you not? Like, where do you, where do you put your money? So parting ways with Tyreek Hill was one of the most obvious ones. And they, can they manufacture enough from their wideouts without him on kind of a budget? And you could argue that, you know, they didn't for the regular season, but they did in the end. Anyway, it's obviously going to, we're going to argue a little bit with the facts on the table already, which ain't great, but those are the kinds of decisions you have to make. No. And I mean, I think Eric probably, you know, I mean, rebuilding is a word that I don't think anybody was really applying to Kansas City. Like, but, you know, I think a dynastic teams for these great teams do have to continuously retool 100%. as, you know, the, you know, like, and, and, and so, I mean, they've been great about drafting like a young secondary. I mean, they're going to lose probably but, Chris Jones this off way, season. So that'll be something that they'll somehow have. I'm, to I'm sure. Kate, Shane, you guys, quick, sorry. On, on Shane's point real quick. Belichick, what he was brutal, ruthless in those years about letting guys go who he thought wasn't worth the value. It doesn't matter how much they put sweat and teared for cried for the team. He cut people out when it, when it was time, he was just ruthless and cold and you have to do that. And most Jerry Jones can't do that. Most of these personnel decision makers can't do it. I just want to say a couple quick things. Um, One analysis I, I want to see, we can look at it afterwards is let's remember the gauntlet that Kansas city just went through to win this super bowl. They beat Miami, Buffalo, Baltimore, and San Francisco. Now, that I don't that that I can't is, tell if you're being sarcastic. No, I'm not being sarcastic. Oh, okay, okay. And they okay. beat two of them on the road. Okay. I'm just commenting. Yeah. No, I'm being serious. This was an impressive Kansas City win, I think. And the second thing I want to give some credit to San Francisco, and I'd love your thoughts, Kate, in the last minute we have. They made it to the Super Bowl despite one of the worst trades in history in getting Trey Lance. They gave up three number one picks to get Trey Lance, and despite that, they were able to overcome it and go to their sack. Forget they didn't win the game. They were winning against Kansas City in two Super Bowls, and they gave up a ton of equity for the number one or two pick, and it turns out he never really even played for them. Yeah. Well, it's offset nicely with the the luck they got on the Purdy pick. Um, One, that's the shortest answer. Um, But they've done some other things right. I mean, remember, they traded for McCaffrey midseason last year, and there were plenty of folks. The the analytics cognoscenti would say you would never do that for a running back. They're just not going to make that much difference. And it does seem like McCaffrey has been a critical piece for that offense. And so they saw that they pulled the trigger on it. They made you're not going to be 100 percent on these personnel moves. We and I, I agree that was a 
that was it, was, it seemed at the time, Eric, that that was a bad decision. But um, they're, they're just they're, you hope that you hit more than you don't get because you're going to you're going to miss some, I think, is the short. And then you hope that you hit some, you know, least most irrelevant pick, most irrelevant player picks on occasion as well with Purdy. That has been another episode of Wharton Moneyball. And for the whole crew, Eric Bradlow, Shane Jensen, Audie Weiner, been here for the whole time. Matty Dats, the boss man. Deion Simpkins, the associate boss man. We have intern Kelly doing lots of good work for us these days. Many thanks to her as well. And thanks to you guys for listening. Appreciate you being with us. Come back and join us next time. Between now and then, enjoy your sports. Enjoy your sports.